Today's podcast is titled Offended. The whole goal of God through Jesus is to bring people to salvation, to an eternal relationship with God. But listen to what Jesus says. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. In Luke 7, 18-22, John the Baptist sends some of his disciples to Jesus with an odd question. Are you the one to come, or should we expect someone else? Right after the question, Jesus does not answer, but he heals many people who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. Then he instructs the messengers to go tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are healed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the gospel is preached to the poor. That was his answer. Now we need to go back just a little bit to see John's relationship with Jesus. It's not a new one. John was related to Jesus. He knew Jesus from childhood, and at one point, God the Father told John that Jesus was the Messiah. Let's read about it. John chapter 1, starting at verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him, except the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen, and I testify, that this is the Son of God. So why would John send messengers to Jesus to ask him if he was the Christ? He already knew Jesus was the Son of God. I'll tell you what I think. John had different expectations of Jesus. John was in prison and thought Jesus would work to release him. Shortly after Jesus begins his miraculous ministry, he goes to his hometown, Nazareth, and goes to the synagogue on the Sabbath. He volunteers to read the scroll, and the scroll of Isaiah is given to him. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery for sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was an Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Then he tells the gathering that this prophecy is fulfilled in their hearing. They were amazed. His words were amazing to them. But they began to look at the natural circumstances and say, Isn't this Joseph's son? Jesus openly rebukes them for not recognizing God and how he works. The people became furious with him, and they actually tried to kill him. Sometime later, he returns. As was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath, and he was teaching the people. 
They again were amazed at his teaching, and this time they realized that he had wisdom and miraculous powers. Yet, one more time, they focused on the natural and were offended by him. Even his own half-brothers mocked him and didn't believe he was the Christ. What can we learn from these examples? I would like to say one main point. We cannot look at our natural circumstances without discerning who God is and how He operates in His sovereignty. Proverbs 3.5 tells us to trust God over our natural understanding. After feeding about 15,000 people supernaturally, many were following Jesus for the free food. He began to explain to them that He was the bread of life and that chasing after natural bread was a dead end. Next, he went deeper and told them that they must eat his flesh and drink his blood to attain eternal life. Though he was teaching them a spiritual truth, they focused on the natural situation and missed the point, and they became so offended that they quit following him. They rejected the Christ who was right before their eyes. Why? They failed to recognize what was happening according to the Spirit. Paul teaches the Corinthians in chapter 2. It says, This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, the Bible uses symbolic language that has to be interpreted by the Spirit and parables. They can't be understood unless the Spirit of God is revealing these meanings to us. There are also words and meanings that we can easily understand with our human intellect. For example, take a quick read of the Ten Commandments. But the impact and the power of their meaning can only be fully understood and applied with revelation by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said time after time throughout his teachings, He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Or in the book of Revelation, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It is easy to deduce that we have a choice in the matter. Are we willing to hear, not only with our mind and human intellect, but also with our spiritual ears and spiritual understanding? Therefore, we have to pay close attention to what God is doing and what He is saying. Thankfully, we have the Bible, so we have a template to understand God and His ways. I've seen many gigantic family Bibles on living room tables and Bibles on nightstands. Almost everybody I know has a Bible. But do we read? Do we study it with a passion to know who God is and what He is clearly communicating to us? Do we spend time listening to what the Spirit is saying to our heart? God is not constrained by time. Second Peter 3.8 says, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. Isaiah 55, 8 says, 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. To me, this conveys that God does what he wants. I'm not going to be his counselor. He is in a different realm, the spiritual realm, and he knows everything and is working to accomplish his perfect plan. Our job is to line up with him, to understand him, especially on a spiritual level. Now, let's get down to brass tacks. We all have a desire to live a good life and have a tendency to take decisions into our own hands according to our circumstances, the things that we can naturally understand. Proverbs 14.12 tells us there is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. I can think of this one couple that I've counseled in the past, and they had some really rocky times in their marriage. One was not willing to forgive. The other one was not willing to fully repent. It ended up in divorce. They both thought that this was the best for them, but it wasn't. God's way of life is different than the ways of the world. The ways of the world present to us the lust for power, position, money, fame, etc., Jesus made it clear that we have to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Christ, living according to his teachings. This is in direct opposition to the world's teachings, because it's so easy for us to look at our natural conditions and our surroundings, we can miss the spiritual teaching of God. Jesus, more than likely, will become a stumbling block or an offense to almost all of us. I know he was to me before I was saved. I didn't want to hear from him. I didn't want uh, him to tell me what I needed to do. Jesus is holy. God is holy, separated from us in the sense that they have authority. They can see the beginning from the end. God is right in all he does. He's just. He's loving. In every situation, every decision and action is for our good. God has reached out to us by sending Jesus to teach us and to help us understand the kingdom of God, his rule, his reign, his ways. This has to be our primary focal point. We are to seek God's kingdom first. It has to be our priority. It is attained through relationship with him knowing his words and his ways, listening to what the Holy Spirit is counseling us to do. Jesus rebuked his disciples on several occasions for their dullness of heart or lack of trusting what he said. Let's get on our feet and be prompted by our love for God to search the scriptures, to get a good understanding of God's ways. Spend time with him in prayer. Listen for his counsel and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Psalms 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. These are wonderful words for us to consider. God's ways are the best. And walking in his ways sometimes will provide obstacles for us. Remember the way Jesus was treated. The people of the world might not find us favorable when we follow Jesus. So we have to set our face like flint to seek after the Lord. This has been the Clean Soul Podcast, and I'm Dennis Curtis. If you have questions or comments, feel free to visit me at thecleansoul.org.